Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey, it's Rob Riggle. And Sarah Tiana. And you are listening to Riggle's Pick. Yeah, and a ham horn, and uh, we have a new <laughs> podcast. You can find our show exclusively on the Podcast One app on podcastonesports.com, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Every Thursday, we're going to sit around and we're going to talk about the things that really excite us, like life, comedy, sports, a lot of sports. Um, Ourselves. A, a lot of Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you join us. Get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get on mandate. Get it on. Welcome to CarCast. Got a action-packed show planned for you guys uh, today. One of our uh, heroes, John Morton, famous race car driver, John Morton, races to this very day. He's uh, wandering the halls. We'll bring him in a second. Now, John has driven a lot of the cars that I own, so famously the BRE 510, but he's driven it... Uh, uh, roll. Uh, he's 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 done the twenty four hours of Le Mans probably five times, seven times. I've done it multiple times, and lots of great stories. So we got John out there. Tim Sutter is here. He's uh, one of our friends. Grassroots Motorsports and um, lots of publications. Classic Motorsports. Uh, his his he does. He has both publications, right, man? Yeah. There's Grassroots and Classic Motorsports. Magazines I love, by the way. I don't look at any other magazines because I'm like, pretty one-dimensional. But uh, I get those things when we take a flight cross-country. It still feels good to hold a magazine. Oh, yeah. There's something about yeah. it. It's not everything's about the phone. Yeah. I can't uh, bring the iPad in the bathroom. i got to bring paper. I like that. <laughs> I agree. So uh, lots of stuff coming up. And you just got back from Arizona with all the auctions yeah. and all the fun. It and was, all the hobnobbing with some of the least important members of some of the biggest bands in the world. <laughs> That's not fair to Mikey. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us all about it. Um, it was good. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, people ask, uh, were asking me several times on social media, like, what's the big event to go to? And although we love Monterey, we love Monterey because of the auctions and the racing and the and Pebble Beach and the Concorso and the Quail, the events added to the auctions. But if you want to save a couple of bucks and you're just the diehard car guy and you want to see what's out there, Arizona Auction Week really kind of fits the bill. The uh, Barrett-Jackson is the huge event that's out there. You can go out there for days. It's fantastic. They move like 1,700 cars. RM is out there. Bonhams is out there. Uh, uh, Gooding and Company is out there. Uh, Russo and Steel and I think Silver Auction and whatever. There's there's got like six or seven auctions going on in town all within, I don't know, 30 minutes of each other. They're just Mm -hmm. everywhere. There's just – it's got to be thousands of cars for sale out there. Uh, going across, so it was it was it was interesting. The Barrett Jackson, we're, we're, by the way, we're, we're ribbing our friend uh, Michael Anthony Van Halen, <laughs> who's always uh, really the nicest guy in the world. And it's also it's one of these things when you you go, oh man, Van Halen's such a great band. Like it's so it's so sad that um, you know petty differences get in the way and yeah. they can't go out there and whatever. Um, 
Oh, we're looking at a picture of you too. I'm, yeah, with I'm all always, the fox bodies. With all the fox body <laughs> Mustangs. So I've said this many times. I know Michael Anthony, met him quite a few times, and I met Sammy Hagar quite a few times. And I have removed them from the possible reasons why Van Halen cannot go out. Oh, yeah. And, you should hear some of the stories. <laughs> because I know those two guys. And I've said it many times. And I've had this experience in my life many times. You can take, like, an asshole and a nice guy, and they can get along because the nice guy can absorb stuff. Yeah. And then you can take two nice guys, and they get along famously. But when you put two assholes in a room, (laughs) and I've had this, and the thing that's funny is neither one of them thinks of themselves an asshole. Yeah. But you take the two assholes, and you put them together, it's impossible. It's impossible. And it becomes this competition of who's the bigger asshole. Right. If 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 Eddie Van Halen was the only asshole, or David Lee Roth was, Roth was the only asshole, then it would work. But now there's a two. I've seen it at work a million times. Like your boss gets together with director guy who's kind of hard headed, and I'd get along famously with director guy's hard headed because I just I'm, I didn't care. Like I wasn't, but. The boss and the yeah. director guy, you'd see him fucking going at it. And it's like, because <laughs> you're both assholes, that's why you're, yeah. that's why you're banging, that's why you're banging heads. Yeah, you can't mix Moody with a Moody, says, uh, you and Prager when, when you guys go up on stage, you guys talk about that. Like, Moody and non Moody's okay. Non Moody and non Moody's okay, but Moody plus Moody. Like, you can't do Yeah, it. that's great. That's and a most, great analogy. most marriages are a Moody and a non Moody. Right. Yeah. Ooh, which one, which one are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, most marriages <laughs> i'm pretty i'm i'm kind of a flatliner i'm not really no I'm, I'm always in a good mood around the kids yeah i don't think you've ever seen me not positive around my kids that's that's true i, I can agree. be in a bad mood but Just, never around my kids always like super let's go, out, shop. let's go out and get some uh <laughs> bring, bring it into the garage <laughs> and lynette's uh lynette's not moody either lynette's just e- easily more easily drawn into whatever natalia's trying to draw her into she's 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 a little uh, um she's natalia's uh, a mastermind she's a when it comes yes, to lynette she is i don't want to say evil mastermind but probably evil mastermind. yeah but so is phil <laughs> knocked over a trash can this morning. Lynette was like, I don't want to deal. I, I don't want to. I said, he's going outside. He's staying outside. He's not. He's going to bang his paw on the door. He's going to drive it. I said, he's, look, this, this dog is running over both of us. Like, he, we got to start laying down the law. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Where were we? So, you, Scottsdale. Yeah. Uh, Michael Anthony's over there. Uh, you're tooling around, you're looking at cars, you're going to all the big auctions. Yeah, so here's some interesting stuff for you. So last year, 2017, Arizona Auctions did $259.8 million. This So year, let's just like, yeah. hold on because it's just, it's easier a week from now. That's what I'm going to – I'm going to write a book called It's Easier a Week From Now. I do this with Matt and everyone all the time and Rob especially, like – $59.8 million. That is just $60 million. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's, it's ostensibly, it is $60 million. Yeah. It'll be much easier. Not now, a week from now, when you're going, uh, last year's, uh, what's Scott Zill do? 19? Oh, damn it. No, 129? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, just, 260. 60. Okay. So wait, say it again. Two? 260. 260. 260. Okay. Okay. This year, 
248. Uh-huh. So down. Down a little. A little. Not a lot. Little. Now, I wouldn't, that, that's counterintuitive to me. I feel like, hey, with the stock market all r- rising up and the economy okay. going strong. Okay, so think of this. 83% sell through last year, 84% sell through this year. Mm-hmm. So a higher sell through, but yet a lower yeah. amount. And fewer cars overall this year. There was fewer cars. Well, that makes sense. I mean, for the slightly yeah. lower number. About 300 cars total, uh-huh. fewer this year than last year. 300, and this is all the auctions combined. Yeah. Yeah. So that 300 feels fairly significant. Well, and it's about 10% because you're, you're a little less than that. You're, you're three, almost 3,200 cars this year, 3,500 cars last year. So what we're saying is the sell-through is about the same. The, the, the end game is close-ish, but quite a few less cars, which means fewer cars were going for more money. Yeah, that's that's basically what happened was some of the top dollar cars are Jag D types and things like that. These cars that are 10 to 12 million, they sold, but they didn't sell at the top of the range. And they and some of them, they kind of struggled to meet the reserve price, which is fine. It just means people are being a little bit smarter about buying those. Mm-hmm. Now. And people don't want to overpay for those cars because when you just do it, when you look at it percentages and not dollars, if you overpay by... 10%, that's that's a lot of money. That's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, in some cases a million dollars, if you overpay by 10%. If you have a $10 million car, right. you know, you want it for 8.9, you don't want it for 9.9. You know, right. it's just, it, it really starts to Hold add on, up. Hold on, let me write this down. <laughs> but if you're selling the car, <laughs> yeah. you would like the 9.9. Right, so I'm here's the thing. Is that down, I, right? I would say overall that uh, this year, was better for buyers than it was for sellers. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of cars sold, but they sold kind of in the in the down range. Like, they met the reserves, they sold, but they sold in the down range. And there was a lot of cars that were non-reserved. Can I, and, and let me jump in for a second. Is it fair, in a weird way, is it fair to critique or use even use the reserve as a yardstick for success when you basically you looked at a guy in a gym and you went that guy could bench between 300 and 400 pounds and I'm looking at a guy with skinny arms going I don't I don't think it's going to make three and yeah. you go no no that's what yeah. we think and then they go he put up 275 and you go that's a little disappointing and it's like not to me because <laughs> yeah. I knew in advance he wasn't going to get to 350 right. and so when you look at these cars Ferrari Daytona hey the reserve is 750 to 850 you're like no Daytona's are selling for 550 to 625 right. you know and the the beat goes on, right? You keep looking at it, and you're, and you're like, oh, the Toyota 2000, 600 to 700. Like, ah, it's not 700. It's 550 to right. 6, you know? So they set these ambitious uh, reserves, uh, not reserves, uh, estimates. Estimates. And then you come in, and you go, mm, the cars were all kind of at the bottom of the... Well, the bottom... It's, it's actually it's, pretty good. It's still pretty good, because they well, still the bo- sold, right? And the and- bottom is, is the going rate. Yeah. Like, it, and keep in mind that usually. Anybody, anybody out there that does have a reserve, that reserve may be more of the realistic number, just not the advertised number. And we know that because cars were still selling. Okay? Right. Now, 
now we get into the no-reserve cars. And the no-reserve cars, of course, some did well. Some did outstanding. But the but the general consensus across the board was was there was a lot of good buys. There were there were some estimates, again, probably set very optimistic, and the no-reserve cars were selling under those. And some of them, just based on what we know of the market, were pretty good buys. You said – I'm trying to think because I believe I saw a couple of the, – the, all right. So what, what you'd like to happen from an auction standpoint if you're a buyer versus what you don't want to happen if you're a seller is the following. And I, I think this is correct and you said it, but you were drinking a lot of beer and this could have been hyperbole. You have a 458 special Stradale, whatever, Ferrari yeah. at this auction. And this auction has it at no reserve. And then you have another Stradale 458 somewhere at another auction the following day. Yeah. And that has a reserve. And you go into this auction and the thing goes for a hundred grand because for some reason nobody was in the room and it had no reserve and rules are rules and you're walking out of there with that Stradale for a buck ten. Yeah. Then it goes you go to the other auction and the thing stalls out at one ninety five and it's a no sale because it didn't meet reserve. Yeah. If you're the dude who sold the Stradale at the one, you're <laughs> yeah. you're not happy you're about not happy. that. And if you're the dude who bought it, you're pretty happy. But you said there was and that's a car that's it's hard to tell with those cars, but that's yeah. a two hundred to two fifty car, right? And you said somebody bought it for a hundred thousand at Gooding. There was a four five eight uh, challenge uh, that sold for a hundred grand. The hammer price was a hundred grand, and that looked like a great buy. To that me. is a that's a that's and a, and that's a cool car, right? That's, that's a, very a cool, cool car, car to have. and it's and um, it's that's a good buy. And also, Matt tweeted out a white three fifty five. And he said, great starter car, sort of great starter yeah, investment car, yeah. whatever. And then he got a little pushback. I, it's I guess like, an entry-level Ferrari, I, said, I think. Yeah, but he didn't – he said, like, a good good starter car. And it's yeah. like, yeah, for 100 grand, Daddy Warbag. Daddy Warbag. Daddy uh, Moneybags over there. Yeah. So, Warbucks. So, I said uh, – I clarified it. I just tweeted back. I said, for Ferrari – it's yeah, an entry, entry Ferrari, Ferrari. Yeah. not, like, an entry car, but an entry Ferrari. That car was really nice and went for about – 80 or 85? 85, I think. This is yeah. what I loved about the car. It was a 1999 uh, F355 Targa, six-speed, white, and I believe it was the only one made white in that year. Already right. the Targa and the six-speed are desirable in my mind and mm-hmm. maybe rare. I don't know the production numbers completely. But it looked great in white. It was a great car, and I don't know what the estimate was. You know, the estimate range is I don't know one twenty to one seventy five or something like that. And I or and oh, the it, estimate? No, the estimate wasn't that high. You know, maybe it was one hundred to one fifty. Or no, the the thing about that 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 car it was that RM. It wasn't Chris. quite that high. He'll look it up. I think it was more of a sort of a ninety to one twenty or one twenty was either the high or the low. But yeah, I think it was like ninety to one twenty. But those cars are going for sixty five. So. That car was sort of well bought and well sold. Like it was a really nice car, but to the owner, it was pretty well sold because it went for eighty five, and those things are trading for sixty yeah. or sixty five or whatever. I, I think it was a good car. I think it it 
first of all, it looked good, and I think it was the right combination the, of being special. And I know everybody's throwing out, yeah, it's going to cost $20,000 to do the belts and blah, blah, blah. Well, if, any, people do that. if everybody's in the market for a 355, if people are in the market for a 355, you know what you're getting yourself into. By the way, I didn't read the details on it. Maybe the belts were done. But <laughs> here's the other thing, too. But back to me. Let's all focus on me. Okay. If you take a car, Ferrari 355, which we like a lot and recommend as a starter Ferrari for those looking for a Ferrari investment, but they've kind of cooled down a little bit and they're not, you know, the the the, the chart isn't, the graph isn't going through the ceiling. It's kind of flattened out on those cars. Right. And they're they're... 60, you know, they're 55 to $75,000 cars, right? If you make the reserve at 90 to 120, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, right? Matt, like, yeah, you, because it's a $65,000 car. Now, this is a really nice one, but this is nice. I'm trying to find it in my app 90 here. to 120. Okay. 90 to 120, uh-huh. because I saw it once. Okay. That's what I'm going with. I, I thought the low. It can't be 120 to 150. No, That's no, but I'm saying high. I thought the low range was not less than 100. Oh, well, maybe it was 100 to 120, but I think it was 90 to 120. But but the point is, is 120 was the top, and it was either 90 or 100 at the bottom. But here's my point. You let Max Bata find it. Oh, he can't find the, it. The Targa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh, 94. It sold for 94. With the fees. What was the estimate? I don't know if they kept that in there. I know, but we've been talking about it for 18 minutes. So <laughs> I, I know, but that's the, all, that's the only number they have on the Yeah, on the no, you, you'd have to get the, like, it's not, they, they, I think they remove it from the website. I think yeah, what you, sense. I think what you have to do is either physically get the catalog, which we probably do have somewhere. Yeah. Or you guys got to start taking, like, screenshots. Not well, me. I have like, an app. <laughs> no, but the app, oh, does the app tell you what the old estimate was? Uh, it 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 does for most of the cars. All right. Me. Well, you look you look for ninety nine, one twenty to one forty, sir. Oh, you're well. I had the one twenty <laughs> part. I said no to one fifty, but you're right. One twenty to one forty, and okay. But and now, the hammer was eighty five. Now I'm going to do what I hate when people do, which is you're making my point, which is those cars trade for sixty five to they trade from like sixty to eighty. So if you're going to make your car 120 to 140 for a car that goes for 80, then you're setting yourself up to go, mm, it didn't meet the reserve. I mean, I may have met the reserve, but it didn't meet the sure. low estimate. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. If you're going to raise a $60,000 car up and put the bottom at 120, I knew there was a 120 in there. I just didn't know the 140. <laughs> I knew there was a 120 there as well, but uh, I thought it was the lowest. Then, uh, then you're setting yourself up. Well, because I, that car still at the I end agree, of the day, but, the guy who paid ninety four with with the fee, the guy who paid ninety four grand for a three fifty five, paid more for a three fifty five than anyone on the planet. Somebody paid twenty four thousand dollars for a Pontiac Solstice, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they serve booze at those things. <laughs> that's why they serve booze, and that's an end of the day car, right? All right, my trailer's empty. I got to get something on there before I go home. <laughs> I want you to count to ten, Mississippi, Chris, and then we'll uh, bring in uh, John Sutter and uh, John, uh, sorry, Tim Sutter and John Morton. All right. It. All right. I'll tell you guys about uh, Amazon. Amazon Automotive. Shop auto parts, tools, accessories, quickly and easily from your phone, your computer, your tablet. Plus, free shipping 
on millions of items. Do you say Mississippi? And Prime. <laughs> There's a clock in front of them. For Prime members. That's right. Massive selection yeah. of parts, accessories, tools, fluids, even tires. Top brands like K&N, Bilstein, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more. Tired of looking up uh, part numbers and reading uh, catalogs? With Amazon, all you need is the year, the make, and the model. You put that in, and you save it. So you I just, just bought keep a popping it on. Throttle position sensor for an M3. Use uh <laughs> oh yeah, the M3. Yeah. Use customers uh question and answer to uh and product reviews to research and buy uh buy your part. Amazon can help you research your next vehicle purchase as well. So you check out Amazon.com slash vehicles. Find reviews, specs, images, all that. So look, point is is uh, the day of you Standing out in the parking lot of the uh, Pet Boys is uh, over. You're on Amazon, man. You get all those parts, set up your account, and there we have it. Tim Suttard is here. Always good to see Tim again. Hello. Do my friend John Morton. Always great to see John Morton as well. Uh, Grassroots Motorsports Experience is coming up at the uh, Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. That is today, not as we tape this, but as you hear it, today through Sunday. Classic Motorsports uh, Orange Blossom Tour. That's coming up March 4th through the 8th. And then there's the MIDI. That is uh, over at Road Atlanta. That is uh, the 20, April 27th through the 29th. John Morton, are you, John Morton, you'll be where? You'll be at the. Uh, you'll be at our MIDI event. You'll be at the yeah. MIDI event. Uh, John famously uh, drove for BRE and had that unbeatable 510, but also 24 hour at Le Mans so many times. And we have. Um, and, and all the time, and all the vintage races as well. How many cars will you will you drive over the course of a weekend at the Monterey Historics? Uh, the most I ever was to drive was five, but I wrecked the third one and uh, the Scarab and never got to the last two. <laughs> so, Cuts down on your action a little bit. Huh? Yeah, so the most, I think I may have driven four at one time, but this was the first time it was going to be five, but it didn't work out. I loved it when I went by the pit, or not by the pit, but the paddock many years ago, and it had that couple that ran the Sunbeam Tiger you drive, the white one, and uh, I was looking at it, and I said, uh, huh, who does these tires or something? (laughs) They looked a little hand-grooved or something, and the guy's like, that's my wife does it. I thought, you get your wife to do that? Yeah. Wow, that's a keeper, man. I don't think my wife would be down with getting out the soldering iron and... (laughs) No, she does everything. He just points. Really? Yeah, he just points because he's a little too big to really even get in the car. So if it ever has to go in the trailer, she has to be the one that uh, drives it. That's a good woman right there. Yeah, we're, she lo- is. we're looking at that uh, the John driving that uh, Sunbeam right now. Yeah. And uh, and Tim, uh, so tell I, I'm, I'm, we're we're happy to see. I want to know your overall. I'll, I'll I'll set the table and then you 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 come in and eat. All right. <laughs> we have noticed really like an explosion in the vintage motorsport world. In in the past seven eight years ago, you'd show up to Rolex Historics and the bleachers weren't full. You know, it wasn't crowded, so to speak. They got a good turnout with the cars. But somehow it wasn't in the zeitgeist, and the cars weren't that expensive, and there was plenty of room to walk around. And now these cars are the you know some of the most expensive cars going across at auction are are the race cars. The vintage stuff is getting expensive. The stuff from the 
80s and the 90s that wasn't considered vintage a few years ago is now somehow expensive and considered vintage. Tell us where you think the sport slash hobby is going and where it's gone over the last few years. All based on subscriptions to your magazine. <laughs> yeah, it's only an hour show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, first off, as you know, you go to modern car races and the cars all look the same now, you know, NASCAR and, and uh, to some extent, IMSA is better than that, obviously, but uh, as cars start to look more and more the same, I think people want to see stuff that looks different. I also think you, you know, you look at your demographics, your baby boomers are aging and they they love the stuff from the sixties and seventies and, and uh, you know, they want, they still want to see that. And the racing's in, as John can attest, and I, I vintage racing old Triumph TR3, you know, they always say vintage racing is just exhibition. That's bull. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, I hear you swear all the time, so I <laughs> guess we swear away. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it, I, I try to explain to people, it's like when I used to teach boxing, you can't really have people spar half speed. It doesn't work because no. one guy gets punched in the nose and the other guy goes, well, I'm going to go five-eighth speed now and hit him back. <laughs> and then that guy goes three-quarter speed. Yeah. And you can't tell a bunch of competitive guys like to go sort of nurse their car around the track. They're going right. to race. Well, the- you've, you've run Monterey. I remember the first time I ran out there and, and uh, Steve Earls constantly saying it's a drive you know it's just a car show on wheels and we're going to take it easy and i said all right you know i don't want to be that dick that messes everything up so i was like i'll go easy and some idiot in the 911 came whizzing by me through the dirt i said okay this is just like an hsr race back east we're, we're gonna we're racing you're gonna go yeah we saw that as well when we went to uh to the goodwood revival and i mean and and some of these cars are I, I yeah. mean, we saw an all Ferrari race. I don't think there was anything on the track worth less than yeah. maybe seven million dollars, right. and everybody was out there like like their life depended on it. Oh yeah. well, look, uh, I think when we went last year with the uh, nine thirty five, this first practice session got black flagged, and then the and, second and, yeah, one got and, black flagged too because guys couldn't stop. Guys couldn't even practice yeah. without getting into each other. Like <laughs> it's weird. They're like I, they weren't even qualifying sessions. They were literally practice sessions, and they both got black flagged. Like because yeah. the guys in the decon Monzas like couldn't keep it in their pants, you know. Yeah. And and it was like I get it. I mean, it, it's a self-selecting group. If you see a decon Monza and you see a guy go, "I want to drive that car." That guy's yeah. not going to nurse it around. That's it's not wired <laughs> yeah. for nursing cars around tracks. If you ever see that car, nine thirty five or whatever, he's got anger issues. He's, he's got, got anger issues. Also, it's called a race car. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, he got a race. You know, every, got a race. Every driver's meeting at, at uh, Laguna Seca at the big, you know, the big race. Uh-huh. They always say, "Who wants to win the race?" And nobody's supposed to put their hand up or they're in trouble. (laughs) So they're all lying because everybody wants to win the race. It's a trick question. Yes. And, there's again, none of those guys would be there. If you found – if you went to a random Whole Foods market and selected – you know, 182 dudes who were in the kale department, you might (laughs) then have a group of guys who would – in fact, nurse their cars around the track. But you don't have yeah. these guys. Everyone came out from Florida, and they're angry. And they got their decon Monza. Those guys aren't into nursing cars around no, track. No. You're not going to find 182 dudes at a, at a, looking for kale in Florida. I don't know how it is out here. <laughs> no, no, Florida. No, not in Florida. The Whole Foods out the, here. The Whole sure. Foods is in Santa Monica. Yeah. You know, kale's not really that bad. <laughs> 
Neither is steak. That means he's slowing down. Yeah. Uh, John Warren just made kale cool. <laughs> so, John, how many times did you race in the uh, the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans? I raced there nine times. And nine the, times. The first time was the time your car finished second. And I was in a 935 that year. That was 79. Yeah, I had a uh, – but you tell me if this uh, makes sense or not. I I was sort of interested in – you know, we all know Bruce Myers and uh, his 935 that came in first and Whittington Brothers and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. And it's a great story. But I kept kind of saying there were so many prototypes still back then and there were so much faster. Why 1-2 with the 935s? And somebody said – it took a while to get this answer, but I think Bruce said, oh, it was raining the whole time, and those cars had windshield wipers and could actually kind of get around the track. A lot of the other stuff was open cockpit stuff, and in the deluge, they weren't able to navigate it, or the horsepower didn't make a difference or whatever. But tell us well, your experience. I, well, my experience is our engine blew up just as the rain started, so I didn't even have to drive in the rain. The car was out. Um, well, you had time it, to watch it then. Yeah, I, I <laughs> went back to bed and got got there for the finish. Um, I think it was probably uh, because they were extremely reliable. Yeah, they're and, well sorted. Yeah, as far as the, you know, for our, Phil Hill won three times with an open car. The car the cars used to all be open, so I don't think that was so much of a factor. Maybe again the maybe. If it's raining the whole time, though, I'm guessing that the car with the extra horsepower just doesn't have the same advantage that it had when it was dry. What were you? You're driving a 935, but what? Which 935 was it? It was an Interscope car. Oh, with like the zero, the double zero. Yeah, the zero. It was. it was uh, with Milt Menner and Ted Field who owned Inter- Interscope before he got into the record business. It's a beautiful car. Yeah, it's uh, that black and sort of like orange or white yeah. livery, like you know the Interscope car. Yeah, I think so. They uh, Gunner Jeanette, I think, was r- racing one in my race. Uh, okay, on the pole over there. And it's actually the only time I've, my wife has ever been interested in car racing, which is uh, we're watching the documentary, The Defiant Ones which is about uh, the rap scene and Dr. Dre and, and all the, that whole world. Yeah. And she was in there watching that, and I was in there watching my car shows, and our worlds crossed for a second <laughs> because she went, Interscope, the Interscope label, and they showed a picture of the guy with his, like, yeah. 935. It's like... Yeah. I know that car. Yeah. And she's like, huh? What? Like, <laughs> like, all of a sudden, there was a dialogue about 935s that lasted a minute and a half, and then we went to our separate rooms again. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a it's a great looking, yeah, that it's a great fantastic. looking car. And uh, they had some 935s, they had some 934s, and like 934.5s, and all the, all the iterations uh, as well. This is a great uh, looking car. So you ran about how many hours that that about race? A, about about eleven, eleven and a half, something. Just just as it started to rain, the engine blew up, and uh, went back. and And we also had lots of questions about the three um, hundred ZX with your name on it at the other at the other shop because we're trying to figure out like. It, was there a V6 in it with a turbo, or was it the only V8 car, and it always ran with a V8? We're looking at a picture yeah, of it. Yeah, I took uh, this this morning. 
looking at a picture of it because we know about the eight chassis, but we're wondering whether there are eight individual chassis made, or did like number three become number eight, or number four become number eight, or there are no number plates or anything. Yeah, you know the, the guy. The guy to ask is Clayton Cunningham, who owned the team. And yeah, I'm yeah. not sure how good his memory is. It's probably pretty good. I was just going to say, he's a little wishy-washy. But you guys, <laughs> got, to, you guys got to remember, nobody nobody cared back then. Nobody I cared. Mean, you, well, you know, you threw it away at the end of the year. What difference does it make? It makes a big difference now. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> it makes all the difference now. Yeah. Well, the early cars were were not transaxle cars. And the car that won Le Mans was a transaxle car. But which one, I, I wouldn't know the number. Mm-hmm. Well, we know Steve Millen has uh that car that's his car that's mm. the and i think we have the last car which is the the v8 car because they went to the infinity well v8. speaking yeah, speaking w- of steve millen he sent me a note yesterday and he said do you think i might be allowed to bring the lamar car to the midi and i said yeah i think that would be okay <laughs> thanks for asking yeah <laughs> i was i was pretty surprised to get that email yesterday he's yeah. such a polite guy yeah, he really he? is yeah not really <laughs> not, on the, not on the racetrack i'm sure but everybody's nice to magazine guys right yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah he almost killed me because he tried to we saw him he's at the, the nicest pit. guy except almost no killed no me. this is not we were at, we were at monterey a few years ago and we, we saw him swung by his pit his paddock and he's like, Adam, get in the car. And I was like, I don't think I fit in this car. He's like, you'll fit. Yeah. And then I started like, I mean, that is a tight, that is it, a it tight took a minute. car. Yeah, but it's it worth it to make yourself fit in, right? It is. But, man, that is that. those cars are snug. So um, let's see. Do we have any questions or yeah, we have a we have a listener calls, email here. Listener uh, email. Yeah, and if you guys want to write in, all you listeners out there, just go to carcastshow.com, click the contact page, and we'll read. The you know what? I'm not interested in this. I want to talk to these guys more. I don't, care. I don't <laughs> want. Right, well, I don't want an email. All right, never mind. I tell you what, though. First, let <laughs> me tell you guys yeah. about Dyke, uh, about Geico. Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You know, you're dropping off your dry cleaning, you're picking up some milk, and you should add save hundreds of dollars of car insurance to that list. You don't have to drop off or pick up anything. You can just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you need some extra money, you're going to go to the races or buy some more car parts like I do. This is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Go to Geico.com. All right, so let's see. So I never really, we never really got too far down the road in this question. The the hobby of, of vintage cars, vintage racing, all that stuff. I, I I found it's grown a lot, but you would know better than anyone on the planet, Tim. Well, our paid print circulation's up twenty five percent in the last eighteen months. So uh, yeah, we're experiencing quite a growth spurt. The other the other part of the growth is coming from younger guys. Um, well, you've seen it. A two forty Z was a five to ten thousand dollar car mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. A nice one, just a street car. A nice early Z car is a thirty five thousand yeah. dollar car, and that's happened only in the last two to three years. E thirty M threes shouldn't have sold those cars for twelve grand. No, right. uh, uh, I think one just sold for a hundred and nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wait a minute, those are both cars I've had sold. <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing a second ago. Yeah, and and John, you must enjoy seeing the love and respect these japanese cars i mean the ultimate respect which is the pocketbook the prices on some of these japanese cars i mean mainly nissan and datsun but toyota as well they used to just be kind of 
neither here nor there. Like if you wanted to go vintage racing, look, you had to have a Porsche or Ferrari or Mercedes or BMW. And if you had a Datsun, it was or a Triumph or a Triumph or an yeah, Alpha. There's like a couple of guys, an Alpha, a couple of grassroots guys or something yeah. like that. But but the the, the Japanese <laughs> stuff wasn't wasn't multi tens of thousand dollars a no. car. Now these cars are getting expensive. Yeah. Well, that's because you're buying them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they're not really you know, expensive. And, and not, and, but you, you touched on the street cars as well, not just the race cars. We're starting to see more of of the really nice, clean Japanese uh, race cars show up at the prestigious auctions and start pulling in some pretty decent money for those cars. Yeah, now but, they're worth restoring or fixing up or pulling that low-mile one out of your garage and doing a little work on it and getting it fired up and see if you can get forty grand for it. Yeah, you know, to be honest, when I started driving for Datsun, I thought they were really ugly. <laughs> uh, I didn't show, <laughs> show much for them. Yeah, you can and, say that uh, now. They, they, well, they grew on me, and um, the Japanese cars have grown on me. But, you know, early in the the history of the Monterey Historics, Steve Earle wouldn't allow a Japanese car until they finally had the 30th anniversary of our Trans Am championship there, and he let that car run, let the BRE car run. But now it's 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 commonplace, and that's uh, that's nice for us uh, for us fans. And it, and there was a kind of a eh, there was a snobbery. I think it yeah, was absolutely. right. It was just snobbery. Yeah. It really didn't have anything to do with anything because the cars were more than qualified to be there in terms of racing, winning w- records, championships, right. and all that that stuff. So, the you say your circulation is up twenty five percent in the last uh, eighteen months. I mean, physical copies yeah, print, of the magazine, print paid, yeah, print paid, yeah, unbelievable. I don't think there's any other magazine that can say it's up. I mean, everyone's yeah. that industry's dying. Everyone's going everyone's to the computers getting out and of the books and going to well, the videos. And people still want good information and presented in an interesting way. And our web stuff's doing fantastic too. But um, people, you know, people, especially the. the uh, the older guys, yeah. Although uh, we have lots of younger guys reading it too, they they want it, they respect it, and and you know as it gets harder to get, we lose competitors, we gain market share. Yeah. So probably we, because the last time you were here was eighteen months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the midis coming up uh, April twenty seventh uh, through the 29th. I think I went about ooh, ten years ago. I think I was about so I've ten never years been, ago. So tell me what to expect. It's well, beautiful. I mean, we started. Uh, well, it started before before me, but uh, it's it's been going on since the late seventies, and uh, you know, long time. And we had our fortieth anniversary. I think I said math is good on that. Yeah. And uh, last year, and uh, we really, when we started classic motorsports uh, almost fifteen years ago, we wanted to uh, we wanted to let the the vintage racing world know that we were serious about becoming the dominant magazine in the field and we decided that that hooking up with a big event or that's that could be a lot bigger was a good way to do it and we really you know i don't know if it's copyrighted but we really tried to make a monterey of the east that was uh not as snobby i like monterey it's fun but i mean it's expensive it's mostly (laughs) wealthy people you know the hotel rooms are a hundred dollars a night at our event 
And um, it's Monterey for poor people. Yeah. Is what he's saying. <laughs> how, how about, Sounds fantastic. How about, now. How about normal people, not <laughs> poor people. But I mean, we have a lot There's of people. No middle you know, it's super cool seeing hundreds of people and cars camping and people. It looks like you're in the 70s because people are camping with their 240Zs and their Triumph TR6s and their mm-hmm. Porsche 356s. It's it's pretty awesome. How is the attendance? So I was there about 10 years ago. It seemed pretty well attended, but I I don't recall. You know, I wasn't waiting in long lines to use well, the bathroom or anything yes it's gotten bigger and bigger last year last year on saturday especially it was tough to find a parking place we've uh partnered with Haggerty insurance of course they're great promoters and and they're the presenting uh, partner on this and they've really helped us promote it and, uh, this year nissan corporately has gotten involved so it's nice to have uh, some corporate involvement is and, that the uh, featured marquee this year? Yeah, for, for Nissan's the race our featured mark. That's why I asked John. I had dinner with John the other night. He's going to be our grand marshal. Uh, and uh, is now Sharp, we're trying to get you to come. Is is Bob Sharp coming out there? I don't. I'm not sure about Bob yet. So it's we're working on. He's in Florida now, right? Yeah, it's not too far. Yeah. too far out. So yeah, we're going to try to work on getting out there too. It's a great track. It's a great event. Uh, the I will tell everyone this, uh, two tips, that, 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 as I recall. A, I think I stayed in Atlanta. I think I did a show in Atlanta. And yeah, I then, think you did. And then I drove out the track. It's a little bit of a drive if you're going right. to stay in the city to the track. So you may want to stay closer to the track. And on Sunday, bring your own beer. Because uh, I walked into a liquor store on Sunday. I was like, let's get a six-pack for the track. I wasn't driving. And I like walked in and I was like, Oh, the beer's all locked up. They must have a bunch of gangbangers stealing beer out <laughs> yeah, here. Like paid kids so I like, walked to the counter. I was like, hey, man, unlock the beer. I got a white guy here. I want to buy some beer. And he's like, we're not selling we're not beer. Selling it's beer. Sunday. Not, not Sunday. to your you kind. Heathen. And I'm like, somebody should tell you at the airport. Like, then, this is yeah. information. You I'm like, going to the track without a beer. As soon as you book a flight there, it should pop up on your app, like your American <laughs> Airlines app. Warning. Yeah, no warning. beer on Sunday. Well, don't worry. We'll have beer for you Sunday. <laughs> Thank I promise. God. I was able I'll to find covered. some uh, very gracious people to give me a beer when I got to the track. So that is... If people want tickets to that, should people just uh, go to your website, classicmotorsports.com? Uh, they or? can get there through there, but the midi.com is a simple way to directly order tickets. And we have VIP packages and standard tickets, camping passes. Uh, it's all there. And also the Orange Blossom Tour, which is going to take place before that. That's March 4th through the 8th. Why don't – I'll tell you what. Let's talk about what that Orange Blossom Tour is, and uh, just to give a little love to uh, John, if you want to hit him up, johnmortonracing.net. I'll tell you guys about Amazon, and then we'll get into the Orange Blossom Tour. Shop uh, for auto parts, tools, accessories, quickly and easily. Do it from uh, your phone, your computer, your tablet. I think just about everything Matt has put on his uh, Mustang has been either basically bespoke or he's got it if you can buy it he's got you, it from you should amazon the, you should right? see the tax receipts that i have that i bring into the account every year all from amazon because you can go through your order history and i can just print it all out it's fantastic uh, <laughs> uh tired of looking up part numbers and reading catalogs amazon is all you need use uh customers uh q a and uh, the product reviews to research and find the right part. I think you pretty much just log your car. You pr- you put in your model and your make and your year and all that kind of stuff, and then you just can find all the parts, all the brands you want, K&N, Bilstein, Chemical Guys, Bosch, more, all there. Go to Amazon.com slash auto deals to start shopping today. That's Amazon.com slash 
auto deals and start shopping today. Orange Blossom Tour. How does that work, Tim? Well, that started uh, innocently enough with uh, I got so tired of people saying, oh, Florida sucks. Florida's flat. (laughs) Florida's got no good driving roads. And I've lived there most of my life. And I said, you know what? That's bullshit. There's plenty of cool places in Florida. So about 10 years ago, we just said, we'll put this old Florida tour together where we drive all through the spine of Florida. It's actually got some pretty cool roads. Uh, we go to the beaches some, too, and it starts and ends uh, in at the around the Amelia Island Concours. So it's a real cool bucket list deal to come down early, uh, run with us on the tour for four or five days, and then we drop you off right at Amelia, and, and you have a VIP experience at Amelia Island Concours, which if you've never been to that, is one of the most amazing events. I, I'm, I'm blessed. I get to go to places like Monterey and Goodwood and uh, Amelia Island Concours, uh, man, it, it holds up to any of these events and a lot, lot, very friendly atmosphere. And uh, Yeah, we were there last year. Yeah. Amelia's, I judged your class. Amelia's, <laughs> Amelia's great. So judgy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a judge in, uh, I was doing like the uh, I was GTP like the, cars. It was like the Japanese race cars. It was like you and Tommy, Tommy Kendall Ken- and Peter Brock. Yeah, so I just went. Which ones know are you guys. guys voting for? Yeah. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll vote for Let that me hold one. your beer. You pick a car. You both are tall and knowledgeable. <laughs> I, yes. I judged a class with about six cars that I'd never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but I had experts with me, so yeah. it all worked the, out okay. The first year I judged there, uh, you know, it's a big honor to get asked to judge at the Amelia Island Concord. Yeah. Um, I got tasked with beach racers, you know, from the turn yeah. of the last century. And I didn't know anything about them. I, even though I live in Ormond Beach where they all raced, I was like, so I was going to call Bill Warner and say, Bill, I'm a, you know, 50s and 60s sports guy, car guy. What the hell? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I, I said, now calling him the first year you get asked to judge and ask him for a different class might be a bad move. So I boned up and <laughs> read a couple of, uh, read researched. A couple of yeah. I read a couple of books on the subject. Then I get up there and you know, 1906 Blitzen Benz, 106.23 miles an hour. And then for the rest of the day, everybody looked at me and said, Tim, what do you think? You obviously know all about these cars. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> so you judged the class where Adam's uh, yes. 300ZX was in. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember he didn't win anything. Well, he, he, <laughs> did get, he did win an award. I think he was second or third. Yeah, like, yeah, I think he got the award for last person to display a car. Wait a minute. <laughs> was it a three? Oh, it was a 300 It was yeah. the championship oh, and, car. Yeah. And, yeah. But wasn't the, uh, wasn't the roadster? in there too or that maybe wasn't in the judging i think yeah the roadster, the roadster was there was, too yeah. was it in the judging i don't know <laughs> i can't remember the roadster <laughs> know, so many days so many cars uh, yeah john well frank Moniz drove the roadster but i think john probably drove it yeah too. I, I drove it the next year uh if we had uh a d production and a and a and a c production Mm-hmm. race we'd run one car in c and one in d and the only difference was the carburetor so i drove that car several times as well oh the only difference between the c and the d because they're both roadsters 2000 roadsters 1600 and 2000 no they or, were no they were both two liter roadsters they're both two liters one, one, ones with that had this sort of su's yeah, and the yeah, other had yeah, the webers yeah, the or whatever McCoonies, right right well McCoonies and hitachis yeah. yeah right but one was the single barrel and the other was a double yeah. barrel side draft. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about that just uh, on, on a selfish note, because uh, I'm trying to figure out the whole 
story. I, by the way, got the uh, Hino transport. I know that's as, a, as well. <laughs> yeah, it's working so, on that right now. Tell us all you know about BRE or when you began with BRE and the sort of chronology of it. Which cars did they start with? What did, I know they ended up with disease and probably start with the roadsters, but go ahead. You got 60 seconds. <laughs> okay. Yeah, start, right. Actually, go. Peter Brock started the team with uh, Hino's. Uh, but very few people know much about those. When it started with Datsun was uh, probably late 68. Mm-hmm. And I went there in early 69, and they already had your car racing with Manise, the, the first Roadster. That was the first BRE car, right. Datsun. And um, I was hired really as a as a fabricator with an understanding with Pete that I'd get a tryout when the second car was finished. So I ended up basically doing most of the second car myself in a real hurry, even though it came out nice. Um, the second Roadster. The second Roadster. And then I, by the time I finished it and it, and, and it raced, then I became the driver. Tryout went pretty well then, didn't it? Yeah. It went, it, well, well, the first one wasn't that great, but yeah, it, it, it did go well. And then I became the number number one driver. And, and, and that car or those two cars did what historically? <laughs> the, the car you owned won its, uh, I think it's division, what they called the division. But, and we had the pole at the first, uh, at the Daytona runoffs. I had the pole. And 68 Frank, was, yeah, it was at the 60, yeah. 69. 69. 69. Okay, that's right. Yeah, you're right. That's and uh, Manise was second, and we we had had nothing but reliable cars, but we both blew up on the first lap, and Jack Scoville won in his car. Um, my car, the next year, I had the pole at Road Atlanta, but because I was the fourth in the championship, because we had to run the Z and didn't get to run the, the Roadster mm-hmm. much, and they only took the first three unless you were out of divi- unless one of your division didn't run. So we got the pole by a lot, and it rode Atlanta, but weren't allowed to race. Is that, that was the year that the Z car won the first year? Uh, but then where was the five ten in this mix? It hadn't been done yet. The, oh, the, the Z car came before the five ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then. Um, that, didn't know fi- that that five ten, which you also owned in an un- unrestored condition, won two national championships with uh, Steve, uh, Bob McQueen driving it. Wait, do I have that five ten? You have that? No, you, no, you have that Roadster. I have that Roadster. Yeah. Yes, yes. So you've got you've got Sucks both to lose. Roadsters. You know, forget which cars you have. I got right? excited for a minute. I got a five ten. Free five ten. You're gonna love it. Actually, the Roadster that you, the second Roadster you own, has much more history than the one you res- have already restored. Oh, really? Because it won, won two national championships <laughs> at Road Atlanta with uh, Mike Mc- or Were there the first two BRE Roadsters? Yeah. So those are the first two? Oh, good. The first two BRE cars were Roadsters, and then the next two were Z cars, and the next were the 3510s. So there were three. We're looking at pictures um, coming out of the Hino. So the three, the three 510s, one of them was the one you were just unbeatable in, and that's at the Nissan Motorsport Museum or something. Yeah, it's owned it's by in, Nissan. T- they, they've always Nissan's owned bringing it. that car to our uh, Classic Motorsports Medi event, so the oh, people will be to see that. The other is a uh, 
Bobby Allison car or the uh, the uh, I guess we call it guest driver car or yeah. something. Yeah. I think that's my car. And then the third car is where do we know? No, and the car that was really the guest car wasn't the Bobby Allison car. Oh, it the, wasn't the guest car was sold to a good friend, became a good friend, uh, Tony Menchaca in Mexico, and he kept in perfect shape. But in a race, it was totally destroyed, so it no longer exists. So are there only two BRE 510s then? Yeah. Yeah, I guess well, I'm the you BRE know, guy. That I know of. That <laughs> mm-hmm. I know of. There, well, actually, there were some cu- – that we built five cars, three team cars and, a cust- and two customer cars. Mm-hmm. The, the customer cars didn't have the – BRE livery, obviously. Um, they had a, a version of it, I think. Yeah, they're like more solid yeah, color. Different, yeah. So there were three BRE team cars. Right. And one of those has one been destroyed. Gone. And then the other two privateer cars may be around somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, let's get that other uh, roadster restored. Yeah, huh? <laughs> I forgot we had that. <laughs> yeah, let's bring that. No, up I've here. known about it. Yeah, I didn't know it had more history than the other car did. When well, I, I'm Bob McQueen bought it at the track after we didn't we qualified on the pole, but we couldn't race. He bought the car or his oh, I rode Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. and won the next two runoffs with that car. Yeah. Well, I gotta say the uh, the roadster. Um, that car, that's won the Rolex historic, uh, whatever trophy at that. I didn't win the race. I just had got the, whatever the Rolex cup, right. the cup, the cup, yeah. not a watch. The car was exciting because <laughs> it has no windshield. Really? Yeah. I didn't have an aero helmet. I'm a little bit taller than John and my head was just banging around the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And it made for a real visceral driving oh, sure experience. It like it <laughs> really, yeah. And it's like, it's not. There was no room between the stick shift in my right leg and the steering wheel. I remember that. Like this, the room between the steering wheel and the stick shift is about four inches. But it, it was it was it was a visceral experience. Like I, everyone should have the experience of the open cockpit minus the the windshield. It really yeah. it really wakes you up. Like it's a different. It, it, you're going slower than you are in a nine thirty five or the Z car, but that's a more closed. You, you feel like you're you're in a capsule. Yeah. You have a roll cage all the way around and everything everything else. Oh, there's a car. Yeah, every time uh, Peter Brock comes by, he tells me like something new about the car that I've never even heard of. Oh. And uh, he was here not too long ago before Monterey last year. And that front air dam, that, that front air dam that's on the car, he said you weren't allowed to have a splitter, but you were allowed to have – Brake brake ducts. So he yeah, designed right. brake yeah. ducts, but the I've brake ducts start almost from the front of the car where the cooler is, and then when they when they scoop back to the brakes, it creates like this splitter effect. And he said the next year everybody had that because he said it the, worked really yeah. good. The last time I <laughs> yeah. talked to Pete Brock, he told me that uh, Hillary Clinton was responsible for sinking the Lusitania. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. So we don't no, do cars. No, no. Yeah, yeah. He usually gets no. me like a car pack. Politically, he's got some interesting ideas. I love that guy. I love it. I love his email. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go out on a laugh. The, right. uh, the website, classicmotorsports.com, and then there's grassroots motorsports. I have the magazines. I always get the magazines, Tim. Thank you. Dutifully sends them over. And I got to say, they're not sitting around here in a pile because like when I hit the when I hit the airport first thing i do is pack those magazines i sit it's the only old school magazine i sit around and read them they're beautiful uh i think they've had my cars and stuff in there before i think there's more coming i 
believe. I just did a photo. Yeah, that? unfortunately, that's the competitor magazine. Oh, screw those guys. <laughs> yeah. I they took the picture and I just flew <laughs> in the They'll be out of business by the time it comes out yeah, anyway. That's right. He's going to own that magazine screw before it publishes. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And johnmortonracing.net is where you can go to find out anything John Morton and, uh, of course, the MIDI and the Orange Blossom Tour, and it's all coming up. So just go there and find out everything you want to find out. Oh, Atlanta. I'll be at the Buckhead Theater uh, February uh, 8th. Damn, I wish it was more, yeah. more <laughs> you write that in, off in huh? April. Yeah. Reschedule. Me and Dennis Prager, no safe spaces. Washington, D.C., Kennedy Center, February 9th, doing stand-up. Sacramento doing stand-up. Just go to amcroll.com and uh, Matt, moderator. You can check him out at Shift and Steer and go to the uh, website. Go to Corolla Drinks and see what we got going there. we got to pay for all this racing, people. Come on now. So, until next time, it's Adam Corolla for Tim Sutter, John Morton. And Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.